0: This insert is brought to you by Radio K-Pulpit,
1: 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.
0: Good evening, listeners. Wonderful to have you with us again and this time. And uh, once again, we have the privilege of continuing our discussion uh, in this wonderful new year of 2022 Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Yes, and things are getting moving for this year, hey? It's Mm -hmm. now the 18th today, and um, when the 18th, you know, the middle of the new year, things are really getting off slowly but surely. So, starter is the the Afrikaans word. I always look for a good word for that in English as you go into this year and May you just know that God is with you. When challenges start hitting us, we are not alone. And this is part of the reason why we continue to talk about addictions. And mm. today we're going to continue to talk to André LaRue about substance addiction, a little bit more, the difference between process addiction and substance addiction. And André, um, welcome yes. back onto the program.
2: Thank you, yes. It's good, good evening.
1: It's been wonderful to have you last time, and we're really looking forward to have you next time. Uh, it's a privilege to have you three episodes for this whole January. So, listeners, if you lost, yeah. if you missed the previous program, make sure that you get it on a podcast.
0: Yeah, wwwkPulpit. Uh, click on in, uh, podcasts. Click on Intimacy. And look for the podcast that interests you and uh, listen and send it to a friend. And uh, let's get the information and our hearts for people that are struggling. Let's get the word out.
1: Yes. So, Andre, um, can we kick off straight away with the difference between... Often people, when we talk about addiction, most people think about substance addiction, right? So I just want us, in the beginning of the year, as we have this little bird's eye view on addiction, to clarify the two different kinds.
2: Yes. So the best way probably to understand it is to look at seeing that certain behaviors are also mood-altering and Mm mood-changing If you think about how people do their technology or you think about the person in front of the um, gambling uh, table, that behavior for them, if they keep on doing it, is mood altering. We don't know the intricacies of what happens in, in the brain, but we've seen that the same level of, of brain changes and behavior changes are very similar to certain uh, chemicals. So when we begin to see this, we see that uh, the loss of control that people exhibit on chemicals are similar to the the process um, addictions.
1: And that could include and a whole range, right? Even shopping, porn uh, addiction, a whole gamut perhaps, of of process addictions.
2: Yes. And um, those are much harder to treat um, than chemicals. Chemicals, to some extent, you can create a chemical-free zone or Mm. chemical-free home, at at least. But when you're looking at at these uh, behaviors, you're having to find the sober point for that addict. Mm-hmm. in other words it may be that you don't uh, you cut up your credit cards you may be that uh, you block the internet it may be uh, that you spend less time at work uh, you know so it's it's far more intricate and mm-hmm. difficult to define and those people um to some level have to work towards a, a normalizing um, and a um existence that the behaviours don't get back in and wow. get out of control.
1: Very interesting. But we're going to have a whole programme next week about this, listeners, to make sure if you want to know more about these specific process addictions to listen next time. Because today we're going to focus on substance addiction. And now we can get back to that one. Thank you. Uh, yeah. André...
0: Um, when we are talking about substance addiction, what is the most common um, substance addiction have you found?
2: Yes. Um, it's always been the the traditional alcohol mm-hmm. um, and daily substances like uh, nicotine is a very good example. Uh, sometimes the uh, over-the-counter medication, um, but certainly what we have seen um, emergency, uh, emerging and has been particularly bad in the Western Cape has been addiction to methamphetamines, mm. the uh, classic that everybody talks about.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that has been more prevalent in the younger ages. Um, and the difficulty with treating younger ages is that according to regulations, you can't treat adolescents and young people with uh, adults.
3: Mm-hmm. So it
2: has to be a facility or a person that is equipped to deal with the, the youngsters, mm. um, and they're very vulnerable to going back to their same old friends and environment where it could be easily um, accessible and very cheap.
0: Mm. yeah that that was bringing me to the next question. Why um, I mean if we put it in on a hierarchy, um, why are these the, the the most common ones? I mean what makes them so yeah. common?
2: I think that when one looks at the addictive potential, um, there are certain chemicals that develop addiction faster. Mm. So uh, a a stimulant would be an example. Uh, Opiate would be another example. So you often find with treating the alcoholic that they've been drinking 30 years Mm. before they maybe uh, seek help. Versus if you're looking at the chemicals that uh, have a a very fast progression,
3: Mm. it
2: could be as little as less than a year or 18 months. So it develops the crisis uh, much quicker. Mm. And uh, the example is that with the illegal substances, people get uh, into trouble quite quickly. While, if you're looking at uh, the alcoholic, they often get protected by their environment until uh, the inevitable is going to happen. Mm, mm,
3: mm.
0: And, but it, we're not only talking about alcohol and and the, and the took. But what are some of the other addictions or uh, substances that...
1: Medication, what you seen? Chemicals yeah. that,
0: that people could get yeah, uh, over addicted the to.
1: stuff.
2: Yeah. Yes. So one of the uh, really uh, addictive pharmaceutical over-the-counters would be uh, the codeine-containing uh, products, the headache uh, tablets and the cost mixtures. Um. Over the counter would also include certain of the um, antihistamines and sinus uh, medication um, because those uh, function as a stimulant. But you would even find that uh, people become addicted to prescription medication.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So examples there would be the tranquilizers, the sleeping tablets, the uh, prescription painkillers. Uh, You know, somebody prescribes it initially uh, and the person uh, just uses it for longer and more uh, than what was necessary and uh, intended.
1: Mm -hmm. So what happens there? Because um, it feels like it's almost a a, a legitimate one that's maybe just [3] drawn out a little bit too long. I remember many years ago, um, while we were in China... I almost got addicted to a sleeping medication because it was prescribed in a certain way, but I don't need as much, you know, so it was prescribed, let's say one tablet a night, but I figured that I, I couldn't wake up. So I took half and then I still struggled to wake up and then I took a quarter. And uh, so, so in the what, beginning, uh, what, I, t- I took it yeah. correctly. I just want to explain quickly. But over time, then, of course, I had a lot more of those tablets. So I con- yeah. so I tried not to use it regularly anymore. It was a very stressful situation yeah. that we were in. And then I started using it um, maybe once a week or twice a week. And I realized that I started getting withdrawal and that I was so shocked because I didn't think it could happen on such a low dosage. And when I went in on the Internet, it said it was low dosage over long duration addiction. And I was literally on the verge of it. I had to go off it and I had withdrawal for a long time. And I was so shocked that something like that could happen to me because I didn't think I abused it. But I probably did because I didn't use it the way that it was prescribed. Right.
2: Yes. So the best way to understand that addictive process is that people develop a tolerance.
3: Mm. So
2: if you've never used something um, and you use it the first time, there would be some side effects and and symptoms. But the more that your body adjusts to cope uh, with that quantity, the less effect it has, which explains why people get more and more so that they can get back um, the effect,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it seems that people have the the point where even when they see it, like the withdrawal signs you were mentioning, um, they can't cope with the withdrawal, so they continue to use, um, and actually, uh, you know, the tolerance uh, develops to a point where. Um, it actually does become uh, you know damaging in the sense of impact on on a person's functioning
1: absolutely. We need to take a break quickly we 'll talk more after the break. Welcome back, listeners and Andre. Uh, we were just talking about over the counter medications and how people without wanting to go there can get addicted to it in a very subtle way. So now I want to ask you Andre when people come to that realization that this is a problem. I explained Previously, what happened to me many years ago when we were in China. And I remember I told Frederick because I know that in our family we are prone to addictions and immediately um, made a plan to get rid of that medication. I told Frederick and I suffered through the withdrawal for a long time. We didn't have other help at that time, but I just had to suffer through it. But yeah, what what can you recommend in this country where there is help and help? for people if they're in that situation right now with over-the-counter or maybe prescribed medication that they they realize they developed a a dependency to?
2: Yeah. Well, I think what one needs to do is that you must admit that there's a problem Mm. Mm.
3: Um,
2: because without admitting uh, there's going to be... Uh, uh, no openness or uh, v- uh, vulnerability to to the
1: help, And then there's shame, hey? because it's shameful yes. to say I have a problem. Yes. I remember I felt so ashamed when I told Frederick, I think I'm, I'm addicted to this medication. <laughs> and I wasn't addicted. I was on the verge of addiction. But I mean, if I didn't yes. admit it at that stage, it would have gone farther. Yes. Mm.
2: And uh, the family also have to break through their uh, denial, mm. you know, because they've become accustomed to the excuses and the justifying and the rationalizing that, that the addict does. Um, and that's why at the moment that somebody out of the, the secrecy zone uh, starts reaching out for help, it's often the, the beginning of a recovery process
3: mm-hmm. uh
2: you know and and that's sometimes the role of of just getting some some outside perspective helps the the inside parties mm. to realize that there, there could be a, a problem so where could a uh, per, go, if,
1: person go for an outside perspective
2: Yes, so there's lots of help available and I think that's the advantage of us really becoming quite technology-focused is that uh, there is a lot of help available. There's more and more the realization that people can get help and counseling online, so on the various uh, networks. Uh, there are many psychologists, social workers, pastors, etc. that have needed to do their their work over uh, uh, the internet. Mm.
1: And people that specialize in addiction, right? That's important. Mm.
2: Yeah. And the the benefit of uh, like the uh, self-help industry, the Alcoholics Anonymous, the Sex Addicts Anonymous, is that you meet other people with the uh, relatable story. And suddenly it actually takes on a different meaning because somebody gets me. Uh, It may be slightly a different um, addiction, but it's basically the same thing.
1: And it gets people out of isolation, right? Mm. Which is crucial because we all think that we are the only one with that problem and don't realize, and that's the beauty, like you say, maybe you want to comment on that.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, that, the moment there is admittance, it breaks a secrecy. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we are also involved in a program called Celebrate Recovery. Mm. And yeah, uh, one, of, one of the known um, sayings, not only at Celebrate Recovery, but that we are as sick as our secrets. Mm. Yeah. So as long as there is a secret... There is going to be dysfunction, and there's going to yeah. be heartache and breaking down of relationships because secrecy is really the the fertile soil for perpetuating yeah. sin and and brokenness mm-hmm.
1: yeah. but yeah. you know what, Frederick? that brings me to something else. Um, what do we do, and I think it 's also important to talk about this at this on this program um we know that sometimes people don't admit they have a problem. Mm. And then it's the family. I like what you said previously, Andre, where the codependents, those that are living with the person, actually realizes there's a problem. And I know then there's something like intervention. Maybe we can just mention something on this because I know many people are not aware of this.
2: Yeah. Look, an intervention is um, something that families and, and groups of people can prepare And it's basically a gentle confrontation with this is how uh, each individual is experiencing that person's behavior or chemical use. You know, so it it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, attacking and breaking somebody down, Mm. but it is just a reflection on uh, please get help. This is, is how it's impacting your mm. last ones, and uh, you know it doesn't have to be that way.
0: It, it's a time where the the family and friends can uh, let them see the reality, is to reflect their realities back to them. Yeah. So that the the person that is struggling. Um, can get yeah. to the point where they realize, but this is the reality in my life, and it is a problem.
1: Yes. And I know it's hard for people to do that. It's it's hard to get to the step. So what do you recommend? Yes. I think it helps if there's a professional person present as well, except for the family as well, to just lead I and guide I, and guide them through the process, right? Yes, I'm,
2: I'm very much in favor of getting a, a professional because they've developed, the, the, the skills and um you know the ability to break down the the denial mechanism mm.
3: um,
2: you know so definitely a facilitator that that's known uh, or has got knowledge of uh, interventions
3: mm.
0: Um, another th- thing that I noticed, Andre, we, we were mentioning quite a bit of the addictions and the substances and chemicals, but I noticed that cannabis was not mentioned amongst those. It's, I mean, it's legalized. Um, yes. in, in how, when and how does cannabis become a problem? Yes.
2: Look, um, today there is lots of science um, and expertise available that can separate the uh, intoxicating, uh, which is is called THC, from the other uh, chemicals. And there are a lot of chemicals, um, according to the um, scientists, that could be of benefit to, to people. Um, and that's why the movement has been more towards the CBD um, sort of uh, network hmm. where actually it's, it's not mood altering or intoxicating.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, and it has been uh, uh, thoroughly sort of tested and um, developed.
1: Yeah, that's very good that you differentiate between those two. But what yes. about Cannabis then not the CBD
2: yes no so um, cannabis we know is um, or has addictive potential um, and it happens exactly the, the, the same uh, you know that people need more over a period of, of time um, and will become more and more desperate to get their fit.
0: Mm. Uh, we we are talking about the uh, the person that says it's legalized now, I can grow my own cannabis and uh, yeah. I can smoke it by myself. But that is the THC, isn't it? The yes. The, the yeah. al- mood altering, um, mm. and yeah. that can be addictive.
1: And do you find that uh, also in your practice before, that you had come across these people that thought, this is fine, I can handle that. And then eventually, um, um, I know they used to say that it's often, a a gateway drug. I don't know if that's really true, but yeah, tell us about that.
2: Um, I I tend to agree with that, um, that very often it's one of the first things that uh, young people use, um, and it often just becomes a phase for many people, um, but people with an addictive potential Will uh, or could reach a point where that's not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they move on to the next uh, chemical or combination of of chemicals. Right,
1: Andre. We need to almost end off with this program, but I don't want to end off with just without just acknowledging how many people, especially young people, are using substances of some kind. I have a friend working at a school. And she, she told me about eighty to ninety percent. It's a private school. Of those kids, have experimented with some form of drugs. So what yeah. do you what do you want to say to parents in this situation? I mean, it's really hard because I mean we always think our kids wouldn't do that, but so many yeah. of the uh, young people do it anyway. So what do you have to say to us about that? What,
2: what I would say is that experimentation, I think, is, is quite a, a normal teenage uh, process. Um, it's part of people's uh, sort of development and,
1: mm.
3: you
2: know, sort of joining uh, activity with, with my peer group.
1: But, but unfortunately, um, some but people think, get hooked. That's the problem, right? Yes, mm.
2: that's the problem. And you can't in early use... Identify who's going to be the person eventually um, addicted. You know, so from for me, it's about parents just being very open about the the topic and being able to actually provide the necessary uh, education without it being. Uh, you know, scammed or swept under under the carpet,
1: mm. Mm. to be open and honest, yeah. and not to yeah. say we don 't do it, we are Christians <laughs> because yeah. that 's not going to help for the opening thing and to to really be able to talk about it but unfortunately that 's all we have time for today. Thank you so much andre it 's been very, very helpful, and um, next week we 're going to talk about process addiction, but for today, uh, this is where we 're going to leave it.
0: And, yeah, please, listeners, uh, send your questions or remarks uh, to Frederick f-r-e-d-e-r-i-k, suki, s-o-e-k-i-e, at kpulpit.co.za. Until next week, and we're looking forward to continue our discussion with Andre. Thank you, and bye-bye. This insert was
1: brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m